right. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. I'm Sam. I'm Dennis. We're here this week to talk about Disco Inferno. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. I think so. We had fun with it last time around. I remember that. We had a whole lot of fun with it. And there were some things that jumped out at me this time. I uh, I honestly can't remember if they if they came up for me last time. And I am not as well organized as you. I don't have my notes from from five years ago it's funny you mentioned um, that because i was literally just taking a look at them uh before we started yeah because i, just I think down. this early yeah because this early on in the project back in 2017 i was still doing just like notes by hand mm-hmm. because i never thought there would be a reason to have to, to come to back them. and yeah. <laughs> to hang on to them uh but hey before we do that let's jump into uh housekeeping uh find us on the web fateswidewheel.com you can find us uh, uh, that's our website and then you find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram uh, TikTok <laughs> some stuff to talk about with TikTok but first want to thank yeah. our, uh, our our patrons and our donors always do uh, Dana Bias, Audra Ashley, Jill Wilson, Christopher Redman Rich Bork, Karen Saxon, Amy Holtkamp and welcome aboard Larry Trujillo Larry, I hope Trujillo. I'm pronouncing your last name. Say that again. Trujillo. 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 Yeah, yeah. Trujillo. Yeah. I'm a tired dad. That's all right. That's I'm all right. I hope dad. I got it right. Yeah. I think I got it right. He he, he spelled it out okay, for us well, one time. He, he phoneticized it for us. Uh, oh, did yeah. he? Okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah, so, yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry, Larry. <laughs> no. Uh, thank, a, you know. so, uh, thank you so much. Uh, welcome aboard. I think Larry has been following us on twitter like pretty much like from the beginning yeah uh, I, I, I would time. i would say he's he's one of our more active you know followers on twitter yeah. uh and and i've always appreciated him and um yeah it's uh just grateful for the the support um you know in any fashion whether it's financial or not but this is really cool and uh thank you all for that and you know uh i'll say the usual if you have a little extra money you want to uh, throw it our way before you do that Reinvest in your community. Uh, donate to a charity that means something to you. And uh, if after that, there's still some pennies that you're scraping together and you're saying, hey, I want to give this to the guys at Fate's Wide Wheel, then by all means, hit up our Patreon. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, But if you want Fate's Wide Wheel to be your community, we're, we're here for that. <laughs> we're, here, right. we're here for, we are for, we're here for you too. <laughs> so, no, so speaking of a Twitter, jump back to TikTok. So Sam, you kind of lit a fire under my ass <laughs> last week. Because I was talking about how I wasn't doing anything on TikTok. I just wasn't getting around to it because I was afraid of like, because I wanted to put quality stuff out there. And you and you said something like, oh, you're like the guy who just says, oh, one day, yeah. one day. And that, that kind of got under my skin in the right ways. <laughs> it got under my skin. So I started posting. We had one follower last week. You know how many followers that we have this week? Let me double check here. Uh, 200. 200. Oh, you've looked recently. You know. We have, as of now, 1,888 followers. I, I didn't know it was that many, actually. <laughs> I thought maybe it was like 1,000, but that's to be hitting close uh, to 2,000. That's, that's impressive. That's we, else. Th- at the rate it's going, we will be 2,000 by the time this is in people's ears. That's uh, tomorrow, we're recording on Monday night. We're recording a day late because of Father's Day. Um, so by the time yeah, this hits uh, Tuesday, we'll have 2,000 followers. The TikTok algorithm, it is blessing us right now. Sometime right. in the future, it doesn't. TikTok, the algorithm is so weird. I've always said that uh, you don't have followers. TikTok has followers that they loan you. <laughs> and they can take them away by changing the algorithm or permanently banning your account mysteriously, as happens with a lot of people. 
yeah. right now. Uh, go. Now, I don't know how many uh, new followers on TikTok translates to podcast listeners. If you right. happen to be here, if you happen to be here because of TikTok, uh, welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we, we, are, we are Sam and Dennis. We are geeking out about Quantum Leap for the second time around for the classic series. And we're gearing up for, for the launch of the new series this fall. Um, maybe, maybe we should warn you a little bit. Uh, we, uh, we are both very left-leaning of the political nature we do not hold that back in our conversations when when they happen <laughs> uh, when they happen to come up uh if you happen to believe differently we we hope you'll stick around anyway and hopefully we'll find some uh some common ground over our love of quantum leap absolutely all right all that being said me being long-winded shall we jump into this yeah we can talk about the patriarchy and toxic masculinity no um <laughs> So <laughs> speaking of toxic mas- speaking of toxic masculinity. Oh boy. Disco Inferno. <laughs> uh yeah. So uh Disco Inferno, uh this is a fun episode. Before we we jump straight in, uh I'll oh. go ahead and get anyone up to date that might not know exactly what this project is about. Um with Quantum Leap revisited, uh we're doing capsule sized reviews of the classic series. Uh our mission is to rank the show on a scale of one to ten based on five different categories: writing, directing, acting, production values, and mythology. Each category is way based on importance. Writing, directing, and acting are each worth 25% of the average. Production values are 15% and mythology just 10%. Our original reviews sought to stimulate discussion and contextualize the episode based on when it was set, when it aired, and when our discussion took place. We also provided background information, uh, personal opinions of each episode, did a real deep dive uh, on each one. Uh, We're proud of those reviews. They will continue to be available for listeners in our archive. Meanwhile, we wanted the opportunity to revisit the classic episodes with only our opinion of the categories above, giving listeners a compact rating of each episode of the classic series in the lead up to the revival of the new series in the fall of 2022. Um, so see if our opinions have changed um, and and how uh, this rubric might yield results that surprise all of us. Uh, so, so here we go with Quantum Leap Revisited Disco Inferno. Uh, we'll kick it off with, with writing. Dennis, tell me about the writing. Sure. Let's, yeah, sure. Let's start off. Uh, let's give you a a uh, quick blurb here, like we've been doing the last few weeks mm-hmm. off IMDb. Sam has to save his host's younger brother from his obsessed father who wants him to go into the family business as a movie stuntman. Uh, let's go into writing. Uh, this episode was written by Paul Brown. And the last episode we saw him was Kamikaze Kid. And yeah. we talked about on the last one, like um, that, that episode touched on mostly domestic violence, but also toxic masculinity and it touched on it in a very uh in a more subtle way throughout the episode which uh, which we talked about then and this one um it's kind of following more in that same vein but a little bit more directly this time um surface level doesn't seem like but it's all about like uh chris's and chad's dad pushing chris into the family business and this time, like, I don't think the, the scene really jumped out at me before, but uh, this watch through the, um, the scene the morning after Chris goes and plays at the bar. Yeah. And Sam goes to talk uh, to dad, like trying to find where Chris is. And that entire conversation of, of Chris's dad being introspective and being like, I don't know why I'm like this. My dad was like this. I'm like this. 
I just, I can't seem to like get off of that track. Yeah. Um, so yes, that I found that really interesting and that really jumped out at me this time. Um, and of course, I think what people mostly, what fans mostly focus on in this episode is the whole Tom storyline. This is where we meet. Uh, we are introduced to, to Tom and Dean Stockwell's acting throughout and everything in regards to that. Uh, I posted my TikTok. I posted this morning was actually, you know, the scene where Sam remembers. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like watching it this time, it jumped out at me. Like from the very beginning, as soon as Sam remembers Tom at the beginning of the episode, Al knows it's coming. Right. He knows that at some point in this leap, Sam is going to remember. And in the scene that has actually happened, like the way that Dean Stockwell is just standing there, like he doesn't have a whole lot to do like dialogue wise. Like he's just, I, I feel like Dean Stockwell is playing as like, like, I know this is it. Like, I know this is when it's going, you know, this is when he's going to remember. Um, and the, I, I feel like we talked about this at length when we reviewed the episode originally. Um, the, uh, the last scene with Sam and Al in the kitchen, like after the, the day has been saved. Mm-hmm. It's just the delightfully awkward scene. Yeah. At the end. Um, and, and, and yes, um, it's a little bit, this goes into acting a little bit more too, but I, I think overall, like the writing of it was just overall very beautiful. Uh, my only knocks to the writing that I have, I'm actually going to put in production and I will get into that later on. <laughs> uh, but for writing, I gave it, uh, I gave it my safe eight out of 10. Nice. Um, I agree with so much of what you said, the, uh, nods to the transgenerational trauma, um, and how that impacts, um, you know, in particular with this family, the male lineage, um, and the, the effect that they have on one another's lives, um, you know, potentially to the, to the detriment. Um, and, and that Sam is really there to help put a stop to that. Um, you know, that, that, uh, the brother obviously, um, wants other things and has other talents. Uh, but because the family is so locked in because it's so ingrained, you know, um, my father was a stunt man, his father was a stunt man, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, I, I think that the examination of that is, is done very, very well. And I, again, you know, it was around this episode, if I remember correctly, when we really started to lean hard into the contextualization, um, mm-hmm. you know, of, of, of the episodes. And I think just looking at it from, you know, when it was written and when it was set and, and, and now from our modern point of view, it still holds up really well. Uh, and I think that's a testament to Paul Brown's writing. I think it's worth noting, too, that Paul Brown, of course, uh, not only gets to write about uh, Sam's brother, but also wrote about Sam's sister. So he introduced us to Sam's Mm. sister in Kamikaze Kid, and now he introduces us to Sam's brother in uh, uh, Disco Inferno. Um, Both incredibly important pieces um, Mm. to, you know, to the story. Yeah. Um, A a little amendment to that. This is just something I noted in uh, Matt's book, Beyond the Mirror Image, this time around. Apparently, in the original script, uh, they did talk about Kate again. Mm, okay. It was Katie that Sam kept talking about. And I guess Don Belisario, he's the one who came in and said, like, like introduce, let's introduce Tom. Yeah. Yeah. At this point. So that's interesting. Well, and it's and it's such an important piece uh of, of this season. Tom gets mm-hmm. brought up a couple of more times sure. this season, even before we get to the leap home, uh, which obviously is actually the season three premiere. But uh I think that um 
you know, the episode ends up being very important for a lot of reasons. And uh, the other thing that I love about the writing, uh, and this also will play a little bit into acting uh, and directing, really, is the comedy of the episode. This is Quantum Leap comedy that I like. The episode has multiple funny moments, multiple moments where I, you know, I, I laughed out loud. Um, and it's not done in any sort of goofy, slapsticky, you know, television comedy sort of way. Like, mm-hmm. we're an hour-long drama, but this is our comedy episode. It's done in a way that feels very natural. The characters do feel a little heightened on occasion, like Tracy, for instance. Um, but it, it, it never takes me out of it. You know, it never, it never, I, I never got to the point where I was just sort of like, this is so absurd. Um, y- y- you know, I can't take this anymore. Uh, it reminded me in, 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 in a way of... Uh, uh, this is an odd comparison to make, but it's just the first thing that popped in my head of stand-up. Whereas stand-up, obviously an episode about comedy, uh, has a lot of funny moments. But the episode itself is, is fairly a straight kind of drama. Like, you know, there's there's all these sort of interpersonal relationships at play. And that's the same thing with this episode. It really is about the relationships. And yeah, I think Paul Brown does an excellent job. And I gave it an 8 out of 10 as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, uh, next up with the acting, uh, I'll go ahead and take this one first. I think sure. that this is uh, a very well acted episode. I, I think everyone does uh, a great job. There's really, to me there, you know, there's no like weak link. Uh, I do think that it, there are moments where I sort of ask myself, is everyone in the same episode? Um, not because again, not because it's, it, it's bad by any means, but some people are definitely sort of doing that kind of like TV acting in a way where it's, you know, like the director, for instance, it's kind of like, it's very one note, you know, which is fine. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, to try to, to try to make a meal out of the director would be a a mistake. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think most importantly, uh, Chris, um, the, the, the brother uh, is played very, very well. Once we get to know Ray a little bit more, um, there's some great stuff at at Mm -hmm. play there that I think works really well. Uh, You know, we talked about Kelly, Williams, I think at length last time around, just because of the the length of her career and, and the depth of her career post Quantum Leap, she was only like nineteen when this was made. Um, she was, yeah. But you know, I think as Shannon, she really adds an, a wonderful, you know, just a, a, something that in some ways might have seemed unnecessary, but she becomes kind of this this wonderful fulcrum for Chris and for. Chris and Sam's relationship, you know, and I, and I think that it's, it's, it's really, that goes to the writing as well, but you know, she plays the character well. So I, again, I gave the acting an eight as well. I I felt like it, it, it deserved to, it, it it met what the script let out for it. So I felt like I kind of wanted to give them the same score. That's the same. I, I I gave it the same. And I've said this before in previous episodes, like everybody in this episode understood the assignment of Mm -hmm. what kind of episode they were in. Like even the director, like he is one note, but you know, sometimes in the real world, you uh, run yeah. into you run into one note people. Yeah, you do. And they're directors. And, no, I'm kidding. And um, they're, <laughs> and we worked with them. I, uh, um. So yeah, and and this goes back to to writing for uh, for a little bit. Like uh, Kelly Williams' character, Shannon, like she exists for no other reason other than to be the fulcrum, to be. Uh, to be this highlight of difference between Chad and Chris and how, yeah. you know, nor like the normal girl always goes for Chad, but she's a different kind of girl. So she goes for Chris. Right. And we're reminded and, multiple times of all the women that have gone for Chad. <laughs> we are. Yes. And that, I think that speaks to like the comedy that I yes. said, like, like that you are referencing 
in in the episode. Yes. Yeah. Because of course uh, Sam doesn't remember any of this. Any of it that just creates it. Yeah, creates some 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 you know some funny moments. <laughs> That's what I, I mean. Especially like the 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 very first one that he runs into at the table. Yeah. Uh, when he meets Tracy and, you know, I'm sorry, I'm right. blanking on your name. You didn't blank on me last night. Yes, that was. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I love how Tracy is kind of unflappable. Like Tracy's just like, Tracy's she, just like, yeah. Cause she's like, in a way she gets him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, oh, I get you. Like, yeah. Well, even yeah. like when she puts the mood ring on, she's like, "Ooh, it's turned black." Like you feel right. cornered, harassed. They'd like, you think she would get it, but nope. She's like, "Hey, call me." Right. I'll call me. I'll turn that around for you. Um, but they end up having a fun relationship. They do. It's yeah. they I I I forget, I forgot that she shows up again later at the bar. Yeah. And if I want to jump back to writing for a second, somebody forgot to mention we were talking about it there. Like the the one thing I would ding the episode for is like individually, I love all the scenes and I love the overall story arc. And I love uh, this is the first like major action piece in a quantum leap episode. Really? Yeah. I mean, with, with like, with like going into the Seymour, but, uh, but I, I mean, but no, I, I'm agreeing with you. I just I mean, think it, that I think yeah. the only other time we've gotten close is played against Seymour. Yeah. Um, or I would say like the test flight in Genesis, but even that is a lot of stock footage, but, right, right. but anyway, uh, it's, it's weird how they get to Chris doing the stunt. Oh, <laughs> because because like I I forgot that part of him playing at the bar was that Tracy had gotten not only him the shot but there was supposedly like there like there was a record exec sitting at the bar right that night so like in like in hindsight the the only thing that I would see like doing differently is like it's not just his dad's rejection of him but like what if like the record exec just like walked out showing no interest sure you know what if there was like an extra dig to be like oh no like this is not this is not your career. Yeah. Go back to doing stunt work. Um, but anyway, like that's, that's the only thing I would ding. And that's, that's back on, on writing. Um, but yeah, as far as, uh, as far as acting goes, yeah. Every, everything that you said, yeah. eight out of 10, you know, and I think I, I, I want to touch on, cause I, I didn't really talk about this much during the writing or the directing, but I, you know, the moments between Sam and Al, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, are, are of course perfect. And I think they're a wonderful compliment to what we got in honeymoon express because honeymoon express was so much about their relationship. And now we see Sam leaning on Al in a way that, uh, you know, he hasn't, done a whole lot prior to this. There have certainly been moments, you know, obviously, especially in Genesis, but their relationship at times had been, you know, they'd either been those, the team, you know, working to figure everything out and get Sam to save the day. And that's, or at times downright confrontational, you know, I mean, you look at like Starcross, like there are moments when they're, they get pretty confrontational with one another. Um, and you know, Al is clearly always there to support him. You know, he's his friend and there's just some wonderful moments between the two of them. And again, Sam is, is, is really leaning on Al a lot. And I think the wonderful thing is too, is that this is one of those first moments where we really get reminded of how much Sam wants to go home. And the fun thing here is that, Mm -hmm the play between what is home to Sam, you know, he has that line about go back and, and sure. Al's like, you mean, you know, forward. And, and, and I think it's this, it, it's this wonderful kind of thing of like Sam is sort of not sure what feels like home to himself anymore. Mm-hmm. There's some wonderful moments that Scott has where he plays this kind of like this fear and this, and this neediness. 
that I mm-hmm. feel like you wouldn't get from a lot of like prime time heroes, especially in like 1989, 1990. Sure. Y- you know, the, the emotion, the heart on the sleeve sort of stuff that I think comes to define the character in a lot of ways while still being, you know, a, a man of action. I mean, especially in the final scene, mm-hmm. you know, when he saves Chris. Oh, sure. Yeah. Stuff. But, but I, you know, the, the moment of the reveal where, um, he remembers Tom, which I think is written so perfectly. I love mm-hmm. the, you know, he's, he's like just so frustrated and he's having such a hard time. And he's like, you know, ah, this is what happened with my brother and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it was too late because, and you know, it's just, it's so, it's, so, it's really just wonderfully written, wonderfully played. Sure. Um, so I, I really appreciated so much of what our two principals did throughout the episode. Um, and, and, and I agree with everything that you said about uh, Dean, you, you know, in particular with, just kind of the matter of factness of, you know, Tom was killed in Vietnam, you know, and, mm-hmm. and of course his heart's breaking for his friend. You know, I, I, he, he, again, he just, he does that wonderful thing that Dean does quite a bit throughout this series where he's able to kind of underplay moments and it really sells the impact yeah. of it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, of course, when he brings the photograph and he has that line about like, what are you talking about? You got me, you know, when, when, when he, Sam feels like he doesn't have any friends yeah. and it's great because you can even tell as, as, as Al is saying it, there's this kind of like, I know I'm not good enough right now because I'm sure. not really here with you. Like yeah. it, it, it's not, it's not that he's questioning the relationship with Sam. It's that he's understanding the limitations that the situation have, have put on them and sure. how, and how much of a friend he can actually be. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just kind of wanted to, to highlight that um, mm-hmm. um, a little bit because I do think that they, they're continuing this streak of just absolutely wonderful interplay. That, that, I mean, even, you know, you look back at like Play It Again Seymour and then you jump to Honeymoon Express and then you jump to Disco Inferno. There's really this kind of nice odd trilogy of episodes that mm-hmm. highlight the nature of their relationship and the importance of their relationship to Sam's mission slash plight. You start to understand that this isn't fun and games. You know, this is there's an emotional heft to all of this that I don't think we're always seeing prior. That it is more just kind of like about what's my mission? What do I have to do? Okay, I'm going to go do it. Sure, it's like there's a man behind all this. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is where I mean, like what what people love about this series, and I think what people have a lot of fear about the new series is like Sam or or Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell, like they really had a magic. Like yeah. together, like like their chemistry together, and it's like you know, like you said, like this trilogy of episodes like really highlights that right yeah. there. Um. So yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So directing, um, directing. I think directing is uh, it's solid. It's exactly what it needs to be. Uh, again, like you said earlier, he got, he got the assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, there's some, you know, there's some scenes that are just done very, very well. Um, you can tell, you, you know, due to the editing and, and, and some of the choices that are made directorially that, you know, scenes are given the chance to breathe and kind of play out. Um, there's just some, some, you know, some nice kind of long takes. Um, you know, we're not seeing a bunch of like, you know, here's a medium, here's a close up, here's a, you know, where they're trying to work some sort of magic in the editing room, which gives the actors a chance to breathe, which lets the script kind of just sit there and, Mm-hmm. and land on us as an audience. Um, I think they handle, you know, given the, which, you know, I mean, production value-wise, we'll talk about it in a second, but, like, they handle kind of the limitations, I think, of being this weekly television series while trying to shoot some of these, you know, stunts and some of the other stuff. I, I, I sure. feel like very well, um, you know. And, and again, they're given the advantage, of course, that it's like, 
well, the wonderful thing is, is this is supposed to be a Hollywood backlot. And guess what? We're on a Hollywood backlot, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of that works very well, um, almost eerily well. I mean, the first, you know, uh, uh, stunt with Sam getting shot and everything, when we come back and see him after the credits, it's like he's all bloody and and Mm -hmm. it looks pretty gruesome. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's done. Like I said, I think it's done really, really well. Um, and any other kind of critiques and comments I might have to make are more production value stuff. So I just, I, I continued the streak and I gave this an eight. eight, eight. <laughs> you know, uh, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Eight out of 10. And I, I don't know if I have anything of value to add other than what you <laughs> said right there. Like I said, like the, like the director understood the, uh, Gilbert, uh, Shilton understood the assignment, like pretty straightforward and, you know, like you said, like when you're doing TV on a budget, I thought, especially considering like this is its first like major action piece, like, you know, like, you know, big fire rescue. Um, right. You know, it aside from the one hologram effect, it looked pretty good <laughs> right, overall. Right. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I think that uh, uh, some of the stuff that maybe I might have a bit of an issue with, I think, would would be better addressed in uh, production, production value. Yeah, yeah. Um, go, yeah, I'll, I'll, you, you take this one first. Oh, for sure. This is the one that, that I'm going to ding it on. Um, <laughs> and, and, and this is why, um, there are so many incongruities, uh, in this episode and Anach- I can never pronounce the word right. Anachronisms. An- anachronisms. Yeah. Anachronisms. There are so many anachronisms in this episode, especially like just revolving around the scene where they sit and watch Saturday night live. And I think we talked about this at great length when we reviewed yeah. it originally. Um, Saturday Night Live in 1976, it was his first season. It was not called Saturday Night Live. It was called NBC Saturday Night. Uh, wasn't called Saturday Night Live until the next season. Bill Murray and Chevy Chase never appeared in an episode together. Um, and it's, it's things such as that. And the reason that I ding it is like, if this episode were made in 2022, right? and they made those mistakes, I would be more forgiving of it. Yeah, but it was made in 1989, just 13 years after. And I don't I was thinking about like, I don't follow Saturday Night Live close enough to know like who was a cast member like this year, this year and this year and this year. But like, just imagine like just going back to like 2009 and and covering like anything of like SNL then and like committing the crime of putting two cast members together in an episode that were never actually on the show together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, things like that. Earthquake had already been out for two years. Right. In 1976. Um, I, I love that. Uh, I, I love that entire sequence oh. around that. I, I, love, I love how they weaved in, you know, the actual footage right. from the movie. But Earthquake had already been out a couple of years by that point in reality. This just reminds me that you can, you can just write all of this off, any of this off, Right here, the first time Oswald <laughs> killed Jackie too. Right, we're not, right. we're not, we're not in the main <laughs> timeline. Quantum Leap is an adjacent timeline, and that's how you, that's how you write it all off. Um, it was for all of those reasons. I dang, I dang, I dang, I dinged, dang. You yeah. danged to ding it. I danked it. I danked <laughs> to dink it. Yes, I gave this one. Uh, I gave production six out of ten. 
Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with everything that, that you said about some of the anachronisms and, uh, you know, the use of, of, of the stock footage in some instances. I feel like it's, you know, the earthquake stuff, it, it, it's not as seamless as it could be. Um, you know, and part of that is, it's, we've talked about this before, is that no one expected us to be watching this show on repeat. <laughs> Nobody expected us to be streaming sure. it. Yeah. You know, no one expected to release a season box set or anything like that. So yeah. I think in some instances, you kind of almost want to give it a pass. And yet, as I talked about with like the star-crossed, you know, driving scene, it's like sure. some things are just a little like, come on, like, yeah, do, do, do just, just a little better for me. Um, but you know, I mean, all that said, I think a lot of it holds up really, really well. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that the the you know the final set piece with the with the explosion and the fire actually is done very well. Uh, it looks it looks good. Um, yeah, there's 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 you know the, the, I think the costumes obviously look great. You know, um, you know Jean Pierre is going to do a great job. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the polyester suit. The polyester suit. Oh God, Al. Yeah. Ooh, this this is the bag. rare occurrence in the episode where <laughs> where where Al wears that thing. Al wears that suit in a couple scenes. Then he wears a different suit. Yeah. And then he wears the suit again for the fire. For the, for the end, yeah. And I have to think that that had to be like a, like a production thing of like the white suit was the best thing that looked best with the hologram effect. That's a great point. That's for a shooting really it. great Cause, point. Because I don't think ever where we see an outfit that Al wears, he changes and then he comes back to wearing the outfit again. Right. Later in the episode. We definitely see times, I think we talked about this in Honeymoon Express, where he's wearing the same outfit on multiple occasions, and you're kind of like, but why is he wearing the same outfit? You know, because usually we're used to, like, some costume changes, and it's like, for sure. how much time has passed for him? Or, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, 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 that, that, that's actually that's actually a really good note. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I you know, because I don't mind giving things sevens, I gave it a seven. Uh, I, 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 you know, it's just, sure. just kind of like, yeah, all right, fine, I'm not going to give it an eight, but I'll give it a seven. Um... Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, the, like, again, there's 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 not a lot to dislike about it. Uh, it, it looks good. It, it holds up well. The anachronisms aside, they're not. The th- the thing is, is like unless you are, I, I think a uh, you know a buff on any one of these particular topics, like whether it's SNL, which more people know a lot about SNL than they know about some of these other things I'm going to mention, or you know that like the Village People eight track didn't come out until seventy seven. All of that, don't yeah. Know about earthquake, like some of that stuff, I feel like would slip under the radar to most viewers. You know, it's not like offensive. Like, holy crap, this is clearly wrong. Uh, you know, the Ford thing when he, when Ford falling, like that didn't happen on April fourth, nineteen seventy six. So there's like a sure. lot of stuff, but for story purposes, it all works. So whatever. But yeah, a seven gets a seven. Yeah. Uh, here's an interesting one. Um, and maybe it won't be, maybe, maybe you and I'll both be in complete agreement and, and it'll just kind of be like, yeah, this is, this is where it should be because this is what it does. Uh, and it's mythology. So mythology, sure. um, I gave a nine. Um, I wasn't going to give it a 10, uh, like I gave honeymoon express because I feel like, uh, there are a few more things that honeymoon express did to add to the overall texture of the series that disco inferno, inferno doesn't quite do that said, I think giving it a nine, I'm very comfortable with because because it introduces an element that is so important to uh, the rest of this season and the very beginning of season three. Um, you know, I think it, it plays into the importance of, of, of Sam 
uh, you know, looking for home of, of, of Sam's ties to his family and how, uh, incredibly important those are to him. And I think that we'll get, you know, that will be revisited in future episodes. Um, you know, not just the big ones. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they think of Sam's family and they think of his background and his own kind of emotional turmoil over being lost in time, they immediately jump to leap home part one and part two, which is valid, but there's so many more episodes where we get mm-hmm. scenes of that animal frat, for instance, is an episode coming up where it's so incredibly important. Um, and it's, and that's an easy episode almost to write off at times, which I think is an underrated episode, but we'll get there. Uh, so for me, I felt like nine, the introduction of Tom, you know, Sam's relationship with Tom being established, the, you know, the final scene between he and Al where, Mm -hmm. you know, he has the, the lines about, you know, wanting to go home, go back, go for whatever the case may be. And, uh, so I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's so important to the character of Sam specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. and and these elements will be followed up on that. Uh, yeah, I I felt like it deserved a nine. Nine. I gave it a nine out of 10 and I didn't give it a 10 because it's not MIA, the leap home part one or the leap home part two. Like to me, like those are the 10, those are the 10 episodes from mythology. And you don't, if you don't meet those, the best you're going to get tonight. Sure. Uh, everything that everything that you just said, obviously, this last watch through, and other thing jumped out at me. It's like it, it was more of a, a, a subtle thing. It's like between this episode and a honeymoon express to add to the mythology, we've kind of uh, it's been very been very subtly uh, put out there that the project has kind of given up on retrieving Sam. Right. And. They had to reboot Ziggy. They had, you know, like all these little things. All of that. Yeah. And between, um, you know, the last scene between Sam and Al and Sam saying like, hey, you know, maybe this time I'll get all the way back and whatever. Like, there's no like, hey, what are you doing? Like, are you working on it? Right. Like, like are you, do, do, do you have like the scientists that I let out into the desert? Do you have those working on it? Between that and the thing in Honeymoon Express where in the first, uh, in the first scene, when the senators and Al discuss the belief that Sam and Al's belief that God has taken control of project yeah. quantum leap between those two things, like have they accepted that retrieving Sam is kind of out of their hands, out of their hands. And it's just a matter of like when God or time or fate or whatever decides to leap him home. Right. I, I think, I think you're right on the money with that. And I think that it is an interesting thing. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, because it, it does seem as though, um, yeah, it's, it's up to fate, you know, it's, 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 it's not, it's not in their power to bring Sam back and they've accepted that whether Sam has fully accepted that or not. I, I don't think that's something we ever get a clear picture on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do think that, yeah, it's clear that the project has kind of said, okay, you know, we, we we're, we're along for the ride. Let's see what happens. And for all we know, that's one of those sort of off camera, you know, conversations that took place between Al and Sam that we'd ever saw where, you sure. know, it's just like whenever they decided that God was in charge, they, they, they kind of came to the agreement that it's like, I guess I got to keep doing this until, you know, he or she decides it's time to send me home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that is an interesting aspect. You know, we also get mentioned in project star, bright. We get the mention of course, Al being an astronaut, you know, there's, there's a lot of other stuff oh, God, besides yeah. that. Um, and that's, that's what I find interesting is like, Jumping out of me at this time, I cannot believe you cannot take Al's comments about his life at, at face value. 
Right. When he talks about like this was like the highlight of his life. It cannot be. Al Calabici was on the rebound mm-hmm. at this point in his life because because uh, if I remember like all the timeline correctly, he just got repatriated in like 1975. Yeah, like, 75 really back in society in 19 in 1975. So he is still reeling from losing Beth. And just like the entire experience, I mean, of being a POW for like six yeah, years, of being a POW for like six years, it's it's yes, Al Calavigi is on the rebound at this point in his life. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. don't buy, I don't buy any of this. This was I, the highlight of my was, life. I had, you know, I had space behind me, Starbright ahead of me. No, yeah, no. Starbright, you're going to be banging on a vending machine drunk. You yeah, know, right. so, exactly, yeah. exactly. And 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 you know, he's he's trying to make up for something with his band bag and polyester suit and you know uh, all that sort of stuff. His tight pants. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you're I think you're absolutely right about all that. And and in a way, it's too bad that with all of the information that we're given about Al um, and how he has to basically be a jack of all trades to fit the situation, um, you know, we're we're never given as clear of a picture, um, really, of some of the stuff that he was doing, especially post Vietnam, you know, pre meeting Sam. Uh, as we are given kind of more of a good timeline of Sam's life, we get a good idea of what Al's youth was like. We get a good idea of like what his life was like pretty much up until he entered the Naval Academy. We get a, you know, a decent picture of what it was like, you know, on his way to Vietnam. Uh, You know, we get a decent idea of pretty much what it was like all the way up until he was a POW. But there's, there's some lost years there for Al Calavici that we never really touch on. Yeah. We, okay. He's, he's an astronaut. He was in space through this episode, we know he liked disco and women, but you know, we already knew the latter part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I do feel like there's kind of this blank space in his, in his life. And I know that obviously the novel, uh, Pulitzer touches on a lot of that. Um, and some of the other novels kind of fill that in. And of course, how you decide the canonicity of the novels and, you know, the, the comic books and all that sort of stuff is entirely up to you. Um, but for what it's worth, that's kind of what we have. So it, it, it is interesting to me that, um, due to the nature of the show and them not necessarily having all of this all planned out in advance with a full bio of Al Calavici written before they ever aired the first episode. Uh, there is a lot of stuff that kind of like comes up that, that leaves you sort of scratching your head and wondering like, well, how would that be possible? You know, I, I can never understand how, where MIT fits into this for Al. Yeah. You know, and to me, it's like my head cannon first season, Al second season, Al, Two different owls. Sam changed something. <laughs> Sam changed something in history. We have two different owls, and if it's, if Al is a jack of all trades, it's because like he has he has had many many timelines, many different lives, right? <laughs> which is which is at odds with something that I said a long time ago on the podcast about how and my my belief was is that Al and Sam are the only two people that actually remember like everything that you know didn't happen sure that, that, you know that uh it kind of plays at odds with that a little bit but i but i i think you you know you're onto something there you know certainly as 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 far as you know fan wanking it off um so for me for me you know uh, we, you know we, we've been saying fan wank for years i don't think we've ever used the expression fan wanking it off thank you have either thank yeah. you sam for introducing that to, to the face wide wheel lexicon i'm noticing by the way you know for anyone i figured this YouTube, was a father's day thing yeah yeah uh few, actually i think it was like friday or, or thursday or friday they've been sure. around for a while now uh yeah hattie wanted to, to paint my nails and i couldn't say I, no and i 
saw that and I figured that's exactly yeah, what it was. It's, yeah, it's, it's harder to get off than I thought it was going to be. Jessica hey. was just sort of like, oh, yeah, it comes right off, you know. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's polish remover around somewhere. But anyway. Uh, sure. Anyway. So final score for me um, would have been a 7.95, uh, which, of course, you know, rounded up and given a percentile is 80%. Um, that puts it pretty high up there for me. You know, uh, it, it ranks pretty much above every single episode uh, with the exception of Genesis um, Color of Truth, of course, Kamikaze Kid, and Honeymoon Express. And, and I feel really good about that. You know, at first I was kind of like, ooh, am I ranking this too high? And then I went back and I looked at uh, my rankings for the previous episodes, and I was like, no, this is exactly kind of where I want it to be. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, because it's kind of neck and neck with, like, Kamikaze Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I felt like, you know what, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think that the, both of those episodes are in a similar wheelhouse. I mean, obviously similar writer, you, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm very happy with it being yeah. at an 80%. Yeah. Mine was 7.8. So we're right there. We're the yeah. same thing. Uh, speaking of writing in like hand in hand with Kamikaze Kid, Paul Brown likes his Bonanza references. Oh God. Yes, that's right. He had a Bonanza reference to Kamikaze it's Kid. It's Ben Cartwright. Ben Cartwright. This one, it's Ben, it's Ben Cartwright. Um, and, and also the, the one production assistant who keeps getting abused by the director, he keeps calling him Hoss. Hoss, yeah. Another, another little subtle Bonanza reference. Nice. There. Good pickup. Good pickup. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I again, I think we've talked about it before. Um, I, I think, you know, it became kind of a running theme as we were doing our initial deep dives. Season two is incredibly strong and may be the strongest season of the entire series. Oh, yeah. Um, are there episodes that I rank higher that come later than some of the episodes? I know. Absolutely. I know. Like, I know when we get to Portrait for Troy and where I'm just gonna have to hold you back from from your from your gushing about it. <laughs> Look, season two has some lows, <laughs> but it also has a consistency that I think uh, the, the later sure. seasons lack. I don't think three, four, and five have the consistency of season two, uh, sure. unfortunately. And I think part of that, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of things that go into that, and we talked a lot about it in the deep dives and stuff. And um, but I think that season two contains some incredibly important episodes too. I think if there are episodes that I was going to put on kind of my essentials list or whatever, I would definitely, you know, mine quite a few from season two. Also, sci-fi put out kind of a essential quantum leap watch list before it is garbage it is horrible it is predictable it is exactly what somebody who doesn't know jack diddly squat about quantum leap would put together because it's what they think is are the important episodes and while i would include the episodes that they put on that list for the most part on my list to say that those that's all you need i i, I just think that in some ways you could skip some of these like mythology episodes if you will mm-hmm for the sake of some of the episodes that have nothing to do with it, you know, like, like thou shalt not, for instance, or Jimmy, like if you want episodes that really show you what quantum leap is, there are episodes besides MIA leap home part one and part two sure. leap back. Like, you know, and, and if, if we come right down to it, leap back is actually not a great episode. You know, I, whoo, yes. <laughs> I remember when we reviewed it originally, I was like, <gasps> rose-colored glasses baby i'm telling you because uh, i because i was yeah. looking so forward to because i remember as a kid just eating it up with a spoon oh, yeah. like so excited and then re-watching it and i'm just like oh oh this is this isn't great yeah it's fine but it's it's not no 
Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It's not, you know, we should sit down before, before the premiere, like we should sit down and like put out a blog post between you and me yes. and like knock out like the true 10 essential, like, Hey, take all your mythology one, set them aside. Like we do, when we do our best ever review, like take right. out the pilot, take out mirror image, take out MIA, leap home part one, take out the obvious ones and the 10 essential, like to get the heart of quantum leap. Right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 it's definitely, I think it's part of the, part of this process uh, is something, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of the genesis of the revisited project is that we were going to take like our favorite episodes or the episodes we thought we were essential and do capsule reviews for them. And then, you know, you were the one that was kind of like, let's just do them all. And it was like, all right, let's go for it. So mm-hmm. I, I, which I'm very glad we are. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. We should, we should do that. And uh, I'd like to do it, you know, sometime maybe in August, you know, sure. uh, uh, that way people have plenty of time to, to watch the episodes. Uh, my hope is that, um, we've kind of segued out of our revisited already, but, but we, you know, we gave our final review, uh, that said, um, we're getting close to San Diego comic-con, um, panels are starting to be announced. Um, nothing yet on the quantum leap front, but I would be very surprised if there's not a quantum leap panel. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we know that the cast, uh, we know that Caitlin Bassett has already moved uh, out to LA based off of her Instagram posts. Uh, Mason Alexander Park uh, mm-hmm. yep. is, is basically, I think, in LA now. They uh, posted a, a photo with their dad. Uh, yeah, their dad moving was out, them moving out to LA on Father's yeah. Day. Yeah. Uh, which was cool. Um, so we know that the cast is, is now assembled in LA. Uh, we know that writers are working on the show. Um, I'm I, I like I said I would be surprised if there wasn't something Comic Con related um, uh, for the show, sure. uh, which will give us a clear picture, maybe even a, a solid premiere date. Um, I'm assuming that that will also kind of lead directly into uh, some sort of announcement about Peacock streaming because I I cannot imagine a world where Peacock or NBC doesn't put the show on Peacock ahead of you know, the, uh, the premiere of the show, because we know that it's not tied up anywhere else. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Hulu. It's not the original. Sure. The original. Yes, yes, yes. yes, Sorry. Uh, we know that the classic series is, is not, you know, subject to any sort of rights stuff. Yeah, sure. I think streaming wise, and a lot of people through TikTok, they've asked this, we put this on Twitter. Um, I think the only place you can stream it for free right now is Roku. Yeah. Right there. You can actually stream Disco Inferno for free. Um, you cannot buy Disco Inferno streaming anywhere. Because of the music. Yeah, I figured that. Which is that also the reason it. why it was initially left off of Netflix when Netflix was streaming Quantum Leap. That was it. Yeah. You know, and it was so funny. When I bought the season two DVD, like way back in the day, Disco Inferno was the episode that I realized the fuckery yeah. that, they, <laughs> that they had done. That's a great word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And and and, and this is an episode uh, on the Blu-ray that I think is completely restored. Um, we oh, talked yeah, about yeah. this a little bit um, when I when I was a guest on the Quantum Leap podcast for the Show and Tell episode. Uh, that there are uh, there are a couple of musical pieces that I think are still missing um, that have been replaced with with music because I, I remember even when it came out, I think Mill Creek even put like. You know, with with 
it was like a disclaimer. Yeah. It was like it was yeah. like almost all music has been restored, or something like that. And 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 yeah. I believe yeah. if you go to Blu-ray.com and you go to the forums for the Quantum Leap Blu-ray, there is some kind soul out there that has actually listed like the two episodes that might still be affected by it. Um, but but I don't think. But they're not big pieces of music. It's not Georgia. You know what I mean? It's not like it's it's not like anything sure. that people would be like, "How dare you?" It's not anything from Good Morning Peoria. It's not. You know what I mean? Like they got the they yeah. got the essential stuff. It's not anything from Disco Inferno. So. Um, yeah, but I, but but I do think that there's still a couple of little pieces that are missing here or there. Um, so yeah, I I mean I'm looking forward to some more news. It's been a little quiet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's not been. Uh, a I mean, as time. as intensive as the show is, like they have to start shooting really soon for a fall premiere. You would think. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, yes, it depends. I, I guess it depends, right? You know, it depends on how much they're leaning into special effects and how much is going to just be kind of, you yeah, know, more, yeah, you know, just reality based or whatever. So, speaking of special effects, I, I know this popped up in uh, the sci fi article when they did the upfront. I don't think we ever actually like talked about this on the podcast, but there was a blurb in there about the special effects of the pilot. And it seems like they, they are making the choice. Like they are updating slightly the special mm-hmm. effects of the, of the classic series. Yes. But they're not doing anything like two special effects laden for the new thing, which I, uh, which I find relieving. Yeah. I heard, I cannot remember where I heard this now and it, you know, it may turn out to, to not be true, but I, I remember reading somewhere at some point that like the leap out effect, for instance, is, is very similar um, but a little bit, you know, kind of upgraded, you know, sure. it's not, it's uh, obviously it's not what they used. Um, but it's, but it's a similar kind of effect, sure. um, to the, to the original. So, um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. I, 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 again, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll know more in a, in a month or so. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, I would, I would say that you're probably right, but that they'll probably start shooting sometime in August. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine it being much after that. And, uh, I'm sure by then we'll be getting, you know, lots of stuff kind of coming out at us. So hopefully we'll see. Yeah. Um, sure. yeah, maybe, maybe sure the observer in? will be, uh, will be, uh, keyed into some things. Um, since they, uh, are, yeah, they are maybe. based in, in Los Angeles, uh, yeah. you know, That'd they couldn't nice. give us a whole lot when it was up in Vancouver, but now that it's yeah. going to be in LA, throw us some stuff, observer, throw some yeah. stuff. Anyway, so let's move on. Uh, we only have one piece of listener mail this week. It's from Jill Wilson. Uh, and she's jumping back talking about, uh, Sam sleeping with Dixie. Cause I think that came up in our last yes. episode, like our, our, our debate over that. She said, I like the way they played out the scene to where the viewer decided if they slept together or not. I was always under the impression he did not until you pointed out her affectionate greeting the next day. I had more of a problem with Sam asking her to streak. Mm -hmm. It also struck me a bit unethical for him to use known information from the foreman Ali fight to make money for the sisters. (laughs) So I don't have a problem with Sam sleeping with some of the women through the series. I just think it made better family viewing when he was not. I do have some interesting thoughts about Sam as Will Kinman, but you will have to wait to hear about that later. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hear those thoughts. And, you know, um, I, I kind of have the opposite view because they kind of use, you know, future knowledge in this episode, yes. yep. very slightly future knowledge. I kind of like that about yep. earlier in the series. Like they're not using it to abuse, but they're using it to help out to help out in the moment. Yeah. 
Like, I, I think like, like Sam betting on the fight, you get that once. Right, right, right. You get right. to, you get to do that once. And then after that, it, it becomes an unwelcome gimmick, but then you just become Biff Tannen. That, that, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's, I'm, I actually, I'm glad that that kind of got brought up because it's one of the things that I neglected to mention earlier. Uh, cause I was thinking about the fact that, you know, we, we haven't seen him use future knowledge a whole lot in the series and that, you know, obviously um, right hand of God was a, a time when we did see that. Um, I, I like it. I think that one of the things that the, sh- that, that, we the viewer benefit from on that is we're kind of like we're kind of in on it like we know what's going to happen before it happens and it creates this kind of nice sort of like ah yeah all right this is this is what or or in some cases maybe it tests your memory you know like maybe maybe people who were watching the series initially and had and had seen you know ford fall they were kind of like is this when he fell? You know, because there's even that moment sure. where they play it up. Where like where 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 Al's like I, I I'm pretty sure pretty sure you know this is what happened. So um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think that it makes sense that they would use their future, that, that Sam would use future knowledge. I think that what if it was abused, like you're saying, if it was a situation where Al was constantly like, you know, oh, yeah, uh, you might not remember this, but blah, blah, blah is about to happen. And, you know, if you do this, then this happened. Like if it became uh, kind of an abused thing, then I think that it would it would lose a little bit. Of it's like, it would feel cheap, you know, it would feel sure. like a get out of jail free card. And in this case... You know, it, 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 it doesn't feel that way. And the neat thing is, is that like in, within the context of Disco Inferno, it relates directly to stuff that has happened before in the conversation that Chad and Chris or Sam and Chris and um, Shannon have about politics and about Ford and sure. about, you know, so it's it, it kind of, you know, kind of plays nicely into that as well. Sure. Um, yeah. I like the way it's used here. Didn't bother me. Didn't bother me that he used it to win money for the sisters. If he'd used it to win money for like, you know, like the Don in Double Identity or something, you sure. know what I mean? Like, yeah. if he'd, like, eh, but no, yeah. in this case, he used it for the church. Like, it's what God would have wanted. Yes, exactly. <laughs> On that note, should we start to wrap it up here? Let's wrap it up, sir. Wrap it up. Excellent. Well, thank you all for listening. You can find us on the web, Facebook Wheel. Uh, again, if you're here from TikTok, welcome. Um, and if you're getting new to TikTok and diving in, uh, find us at, at Fates Wide Wheel over there. I'm trying to post at least something once, twice a day, alternating between like posting some serious stuff and, and some goofy stuff. Some people have been asking stuff about uh, like where Sammy Joe going to be in the new series. Yeah, yeah. And, Lots of comments about Sammy Joe and Donna. And, yeah. and Donna. And, and I really, uh, I want to approach Sammy Joe with care because like, there's a whole lot of uh, political behind the scenes stuff. Right. Right. Like in regards to like Sammy Joe and the, and the intellectual property rights surrounding that. Um, and I, I don't know how, how much we want to, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm over, I'm overthinking it. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, be answering questions and, and putting some new stuff out there. And uh, yeah. And then I guess we'll be back next week for your second favorite episode in season two, the Americanization of Machiko. I like the I'm Popeye line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I'm going to give it a fair shake. I'm going to give it a fair shake. We'll see what right. happens. The, my score could surprise me and you. Yeah. We'll see. I already know, I already know the TikTok I'm going to do about this one. All right. I already got it. I can't wait. I can't All right. wait. All right. But uh, uh, I, I'll let you. I'll let you do the sign off. All right. Right on. There we go.
Well, in that case, uh, thank you all so very much. Really appreciate it. And to echo Dennis's comments, if you are joining us uh, for the first time, you know, by way of TikTok or Twitter or Facebook or just searching on Apple Podcasts or whatever, welcome. Thank you for coming along for the ride. Um, if you've been, you know, listening for a while now, thank you for sticking with us. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to bring you new content, new avenues of content um, in the lead up to the premiere of the revival. We've, we've got some things in mind and certainly some things that will uh, pay off for our, our patrons as well. So, um, should you join that crowd, uh, we're, we're going to cook up some special stuff for you guaranteed. But in the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, stay safe and leap responsibly. Have a great week, everyone. Close.